This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to the special episode of the Presidencies of the United States. I'm your host, Jerry Landry. For those of you who listen to my other podcast, the Harrison Podcast, you may remember an episode a couple of months back where I recounted a visit to John C. Calhoun's home, Fort Hill, in Clemson, South Carolina. That same weekend, I visited another historic site, but it seemed more appropriate to talk about this visit on presidencies as its significance falls over a century after the 1840-ish focus of the Harrison podcast. Thus, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we're going to leave George Washington for the moment and fast forward in the story of the presidencies to the 20th century to talk about my visit to the Martin Luther King Jr. National Historic Site in Atlanta, Georgia. As with the trip to Fort Hill, I will have some links and pictures available on the website at presidencies.blueberry, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com, if you'd like to follow along with those or check them out after listening to this episode. Martin Luther King Jr. was born in Atlanta, Georgia on January 15, 1929, and his birthplace is preserved as part of the National Historic Site. However, I'm skipping ahead of myself a little bit. We began our visit on Saturday, October 21st, 2017, walking from the parking lot to the visitor center. Now, one thing to note about the King site, it covers a space of a few blocks and is interspersed with other homes and facilities not connected with the site. So be prepared to do a little journeying. All the facilities that we visited were also accessible for everyone. The visitor center while we were there was temporarily located in station number six a former firehouse which housed the fire company that, for nearly a hundred years, served that area of Atlanta, known as Sweet Auburn, from May 1894 until it was closed in 1991. For the majority of its time of use, Station No. 6 housed only white firefighters, as the Atlanta Fire Department did not hire its first black firefighters until 1963. At the station, information was provided about the African-American community in Atlanta, as well as the firehouse, And there is a vintage fire truck in the visitor center that would likely be a point of interest for younger visitors. There are also park rangers in attendance available to answer any questions you may have. It is also where visitors can get tickets for the 30-minute ranger-led tour of Dr. King's birth home. Tours are limited to 15 people and are first come, first serve. So if you want to go on the tour, be sure to get there early. There are no advanced registrations taken. The only tours available were too late in the day for us to be able to participate, so that will have to wait until next time. We were at least able to walk up to see the exterior of the, quote, two-story frame Queen Anne-style house that was built in 1895 for a white family, then was bought in 1909 by the pastor of nearby Ebenezer Baptist Church, the Reverend Adam Daniel Williams. He would eventually become Martin Luther King Jr.'s grandfather. Armed with a map of the entire site, we made our way over to Freedom Hall. This building contains exhibits on not just Dr. King, but also his wife, Coretta Scott King, and two other social activists, Rosa Parks and Mahatma Gandhi. 
Parks, as a contemporary of Dr. King, was included, I believe, to provide a different perspective on the civil rights movement in the United States. Hers was the smallest exhibit, containing mostly photographs. I should note that there were some extensive renovations going on at the time of our visit, so it could be that there are plans to enlarge her part of the exhibit, but I can only speak to what we saw at the time. The Gandhi exhibit was on the other end of the same floor and contained mostly artwork as well as a few artifacts related to the Mahatma. As the exhibit explains, the kings were greatly influenced by Gandhi, studied his teachings, and incorporated his concepts into their civil rights activism. The kings also traveled to India, and information about that visit is incorporated into the Gandhi exhibit. The largest exhibit by far is the one devoted to Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King. The room is filled with information on both individuals. Along the wall on the left, after you enter, is a timeline of Dr. King's life, while the wall to the right has a timeline of Coretta Scott King's life. I highly recommend taking a few minutes to read each of the panels, especially if you're not well-versed on the life of the kings. After that, take some time to look through the exhibit cases in the center of the room, as they contain artifacts from both kings' lives, including the suitcase and its contents that Dr. King had with him on that fateful journey to Memphis in April 1968. For me, looking at the actual stuff of life helps one to understand that individuals in history aren't just names on a page or figures of significance, but rather were people, just like you and me. This exhibit was highly effective, in my opinion, in helping visitors to understand the Kings as people, and I learned a great deal from it. Normally, one would leave this building and walk along the reflecting pool to the Eternal Flame and the Tomb of the Kings. However, remember that renovation that I was talking about earlier? Well, this entire area was blocked off as it was under construction. We were able to slip around and make a quick stop by the tomb. I imagine that the not-under-construction experience is designed to be more awe-inspiring, but standing before any grave for me is a moment of reverence and respect. It pays homage to the life of someone just like me, someone who had hopes and dreams, desires, fears, loves, moments of anger and disappointment, and joy. It is the culmination of a life of striving and hoping at the end that one did well. Dr. King's epitaph was his own words, but Coretta's came from 1 Corinthians. Quote, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This quote brings up an important point that is well emphasized in the historic site. The church played a prominent role in the lives of both Martin and Coretta. Their work for civil rights and social justice, Martin's writing, Coretta's singing, it all had roots and connections with the church. The church that played a prominent role in both their lives is Ebenezer Baptist Church, whose original building is preserved as part of the National Historic Site. A new sanctuary has since been constructed across the street from the original building and the old Ebenezer in which Martin's grandfather, father, and Martin himself preached at is open to visitors. There are exhibits both downstairs and upstairs which tell a great deal about the church's history and the King family's connection to it. Until this visit, I did not know that Dr. King's mother had herself been the victim of assassination, with a visitor to the church service on June 30, 1974, attacking and ultimately killing her in the same building as where her son's funeral had been held six years prior. For me, the most powerful moment was going into the chapel and sitting down in a pew. A recording from a sermon delivered there by Dr. King is playing through the chamber. 
and sitting there, looking around both at the features of the room and the other visitors of various races, genders, ages, backgrounds, and likely other differences as well. Coming together under this roof flooded my heart and mind with an understanding of just what this church meant to its congregants. With the world outside that hated them, told them where they could sit and not sit, where they could or couldn't go to the bathroom, what they could or could not do in life. With a world in which they could be attacked and lynched for looking at someone the wrong way. This church served as a refuge, a safe place, a home. Even that wasn't absolute. They came here to cry as much as they did to laugh, and sometimes the evils of the world outside followed them in. But still they came to worship, to pray, to love, and to go out into the world again and try not only to survive, but to make it a world in which their children could thrive. Because of that realization and reflecting on the unjust challenges that many folks in the present day are facing because of their race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, religion, or a host of other factors or identifying facets that individuals pick to target others to discriminate against. Because I thought of all the children who are growing up and will have to face a world in which we have still been unable to rid ourselves of this cancer of hatred and prejudice and will themselves be subject to the pain and agony that this cancer brings. Because of these thoughts filling my mind as I sat in that pew, I did something that I've never done before at a historic site. I cried. Then I prayed. Then I cried some more. We walked back out into the day and I continued to cry a bit more as we walked back to the car. On the walk back, on the sidewalk, they have plaques marking various leaders, be they in politics, the arts, sports, or any other sector, who have worked to promote civil rights and social justice. The plaques contain etchings of their footprints. As we stepped in the outline of their shoes, I reaffirmed something that I've held in my heart and that has been a guiding principle for me for as long as I can remember. Anything that I can do to make this world a better place, I will do. I will try to be a comfort to those who are suffering. I will be a friend to all good folks and embrace the beauty that comes from our diversity. I will learn about others just as I try to learn about myself. I will love unconditionally, even when it hurts. And I will do everything in my power to help us to rid ourselves of this cancer of hate and prejudice and discrimination. Dr. King is an inspiration for us all. He wasn't perfect, of course. None of us are, as we are all human. But his life and his legacy serve as reminders that being human doesn't have to be all about our weaknesses and mistakes, but rather it can be a strength and highlight the capacity we all have for goodness and justice and love. This was a great visit especially as it bookended the trip to the Calhoun house and all the history, both good and ill, that happened between those two points in time. It felt quite appropriate to counter a historic site focused on a proponent of slavery with a historic site dedicated to preserving the legacy of someone who tried to set everyone free. The memory of this historic site, I believe, will stay with me for a long time to come. Should you be interested in visiting the King National Historic Site, I will post links on the blog at presidencies.blueberry, that's blueberry without the e's, dot com, along with pictures and links to the episode about the visit to the Calhoun home for my other podcast, The Harrison Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. From time to time, as my journeys lead to visits at sites related to American presidential history, I would like to do some more episodes like this. 
please feel free to share with me your thoughts, questions, or recollections of your own if you've been to the King National Historic Site. My email address is presidenciespodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can send your thoughts to me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash presidencies or on Twitter at presidencies89. We'll return to our regularly scheduled series next time. But until then, take care, dear friends, and be kind to one another. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.